0: Welcome to the RIM R- 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 Pro Reports, the one and only weekly broadcast for the RIM support services industry. Bustling with news, views, here's what I believe, and the latest updates, That's just this show is full of interesting information, stories, Yes. important product and service reviews, Yes. and a cast of industry characters included, yes! <laughs> record center operators, shred and destruction vendors, media and electronic vaulters, scanner and imaging providers take note this show is for you now here's your host tom adams
1: Welcome back to the Rim Pro Report. This is show number four, and I'm glad you're with us today. Today is going to be a continuation of a number of interviews I did a number of years ago. This one is another startup story, and it includes Michael Marchand of Veritrust in Houston. Michael's a great guy, done some really cool stuff with his company down in Houston, and I want to replay that interview for you. But before we get to that, let me just update you on a couple things. First one is we are about to go into the general regular style show that's going to start happening in the next few weeks. So I want you to be a part of that. And as part of that, uh, I am going to be exploring this entire industry, the different service areas, uh, companies and operators who are doing cool stuff, vendors who are and have great services or products that can support this industry. I really want this to be a place where you can learn about the industry in a fairly fast, fun, interesting format that's different than the print or email stuff that you're you're getting from other uh, places in the industry. This one will be weekly, it will be regular, consistent, and I think one of the fun ways to learn about stuff, you can listen to it in your car, you can listen to it while you're exercising, you can be involved in it on a regular basis. And I I guess as I'm saying that to you, I'm also interested in hearing from you and how you can uh, become a part of the program. I'd love to hear your stories. I'd love to hear what you're doing. If you're a vendor in this industry in terms of selling to companies who operate records, information, shredding, media vaulting, data protection companies, and you got something cool to offer, I'd love to learn about what you're doing as well and share it with uh, our listeners today. So Thanks for being here. Uh, we're going to go back into this interview. I hope you enjoy it. And I look forward to learning more about what's going on uh, in Michael's story. And I would love to hear from you to hear your story and what's happening with you. All right, here we go. To the
2: Hi, this is Tom Adams, and I have another great RIM Service Company startup story for you today. I'm privileged today to say hello to Michael Marchand of Veritrust in Houston, Texas. Michael, are you there? Yes, I am. Hello, Hey, welcome. How are you today? Very good. Good. Uh, Michael, before we get into your startup story... Uh, tell me a bit about where Veritrust is at this moment in time. What, what is it that you do? What are the different service offerings? Kind of the current situation? What's the present reality before we go back and really deal with what the focus of this call is, which is, you know, where you've come from, how you started this, this whole story up?
3: Okay. Yeah, we, we do the primary uh, kind of record storage uh, vaulting services of all of, of site media vaulting, where we store computer backup tapes, rotate those tapes for clients. On the record storage side, standard storage and related services, a limited amount of destruction, and also we, we have recently added uh, online backup uh, for clients uh, given the need to back up remote offices and, and uh, for compliance reasons and so on. We have morphed a little bit over time to where we are now focused on more service related business. That's complementary to record storage, media vaulting. Um, where we're doing media audits, we uh, resell software and, and a limited number of media products. Oh, okay, so you're, you're,
2: I mean, you're fully in the in the you know the the entire Rim service business. It, it sounds like
3: we are fully into it, and we are always looking to see what other services can we add to our, our existing services that complement uh, but stay within kind of that same circle. Okay. Uh,
2: I, I have watched you for a number of years, and uh, you, you quietly are sitting out there, but uh, you, you've done some really cool stuff. Be- before we kind of get back into um, where, you s- where you started with Veritrust, tell me a bit about you personally. What's your personal background? Where, where did you come from?
3: Um, My personal background is is one of kind of a varied uh, industry and and different jobs over time, uh, all of which I I have learned and brought some aspect into what I do today. Um, Right out of college, I went went to Texas A&M University, majored in economics, and right out of college went to work for Bank of America. Um, Being that it was a bank, I thought that's where the money and the high-paying jobs were. Uh, but the reality is is that banking doesn't, doesn't pay that well. <laughs> so I, ha- I had some background in international banking, international funds transfer, uh, working in Dallas for Bank of America. Following that, I, I took about a three- or four-year period where I sold industrial chemicals, and what was interesting about that job is I was in the back end of a lot of plants. I, I got to become very familiar with the supply chain, and the importance of of the supply chain in a business um so i had a very uh broad understanding of a business kind of start to finish from the office all the way back to where products get produced um following the the years in chemical sales i went to work for a startup company called vertical net at the time vertical net was doing online marketing So they would create a site geared to a specific industry, for instance, the chemical industry. If you were someone that had a product or service you wanted to sell, uh, you could advertise on their online uh, site to that particular audience. They would in turn spend the money with the search engines to drive audience to the chemical online site. Uh, While today that sounds like a real basic, you know, uh, service that you can find out there Anywhere, well, this was 1998, and, and VerticalNet was one of the first uh, companies that uh, would really utilize the search engines to drive traffic and drive business to one centralized uh, portal, if you will. Um, I did extremely well there. Uh, the, the company went public, you know, stock options, all that, and like a lot of other people, I rode um, a pretty sizable chunk of uh, savings, you know, down with the rest of the market, uh, (laughs) down to almost nothing. So um, after the vertical net years, I I sold some mainframe integration software. And just those were years where I was just kind of muddling through, you know, what do I do next? What do I want to do? It was a pretty tough time. It was after the burst of the Internet bubble. Uh, It was after September 11th. It was just really a tough time to be out selling and especially to be kind of in the IT market. Uh, yeah. I, was, I was attempting to sell professional services, IT staffing, and it was just a really roller coaster, kind of depressing uh, time. And that's really kind of the background I had before starting Veritrust.
2: So tell me then about the genesis of the idea to get into the rim service business, or, or what 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 was that that initial where was the initial spark where did you see the opportunity? Tell me a little bit about that that piece.
3: Well, at that time there was really kind of a I guess for lack of a better description a, a perfect storm for me personally. Um, I was in a real Shoddy industry at the time. Uh, a lot of these small software and IT companies didn't have a lot of money. The market was poor. Um, it just was not a good business to be in. So I was I was not real happy about that. And in most days, I was probably pretty depressed about it. Um, I was also at a point where I think. I was burned out for that market anyway, and, and for that job function, and was just looking to do something different that was not necessarily maybe in sales. Um, I, I guess I just needed a, a lifestyle change out of out of that industry. I needed to go somewhere else, and at the time, I also had a young child and uh, that I needed to take care of, and so for me, there was just a, a kind of a lot of personal need, and. At the time, I was working for a professional services company, and I had a a little networking client that that needed to store some tapes off-site. And I had read an article on a plane one time uh, in Forbes magazine about uh, a company, and at the time it was recall, that would come pick up your tapes, store them off-site in a vault, and when you needed them back would return them. So I told my client, I said, hey, there are these companies, and they store tapes off-site. I will go investigate for you. Find out who they are, report back to you, and we'll get get your tapes, you know, out of here and get them protected. Um, the same day, I went back to my building uh, where, where I was selling professional services. I was in the elevator going up, and there was a guy standing there with a shirt, and I said, and I saw his company name. It's a, it's a regional company where we are. I said, what does your company do? And he said, oh, we do record storage, and we also store computer backup tapes. I said, great, who do I contact over there? I've got someone that needs to store these tapes. Uh, The delivery guy gave me the, the general manager's name. I set up an appointment. I went and visited that facility, saw thousands and thousands of boxes, thousands of tapes, and, you know, found out that there was a service that did that and, you know, again reported back to my client. Well, at the time... The, the company did not follow up with my client. I called them two or three weeks in a row. I said, okay, well, I guess they're not going to call. So I then called another uh, service provider here, um, a large national chain. Same story. I've got someone that needs to store tapes off-site. This is not a price issue. Please call him. He just needs service. Uh, same problem. Uh, oh, my that, goodness. That company would not call my prospect or my, cl- my client, their prospect, uh, I called the company. Please call the guy. It's not a money issue. You just need service. So after two or three weeks of two companies not calling, I, I just said to myself, something is wrong here. You know, I'm in sales. I wouldn't act this way. You know, what am I missing? And so I kind of just started doing some some additional research on the Internet as far as, as companies and and that's really kind of where I, I got the original idea. Hmm. Um, and then the probably, the I guess, the final catalyst. Uh, one day I was driving down the road, and I literally remember the exact spot on the highway, what the weather was like. I, I just kind of instantly woke up to the fact that somebody else was controlling my future, and that somebody was not me. Somebody else had the ability to affect my income, to ultimately take my house away, to cause me a lot of mental and financial pain. Um, Unfortunately, it was poorly run companies, owners and managers of those companies who were not as talented or as bright as me, the customers in the market in which I worked who were looking out for themselves over the, the solutions that I was selling, um, I just realized that tomorrow I could go into work, and because a guy made a poor decision or had a bad day or because of poor management, that financially the company wouldn't survive and I could be out of a job. Yeah. At the time, I had a two-year-old. I thought of her, and that was pretty much it. Um, you Amazing know, I,
2: how those, those moments come along in our life, isn't it? It is. I mean, th-
3: there's. A, I just realized that there's as much risk going to work for a company, and it's a company of any size, a giant company, a small company, uh, going to work for someone else as as there was as me starting my own company. Yeah, You know, my my wife and I could live in a tent and survive, but I I was not going to risk a roof over my young child's head. And I just decided, you know, I'm going to choose self, and and I believed in my skill set uh, that I had developed over time, you know, skills in sales, operations, IT, and probably most importantly just the ability to communicate with all types of people. Um, I knew at that point that I could start and run my own company successfully. I knew there was a need for uh, storage and, off- and off-site protection of, of people's data Mm-hmm. Um, there was definitely a need in Houston because I couldn't get anybody to respond to that prospect. Yeah, really. So those, there was really just kind of that circle, again, of this just perfect, you know, setup for what launched me into what is Baratrust today. So so tell me then, from
2: that moment, driving down the highway and making having that realization with, with this understanding that there was profound need in the marketplace and nobody was – responding to these obvious opportunities sitting in front of them where where did you go from there Uh, because obviously you're where you are today but but what were some of those initial steps or what were some of the initial things you did to launch the business
3: well one one of the first realizations that I came to was I had no money to start a business (laughs) and I knew it would take a lot yeah Um, I was fairly confident and again, my skill set, and that there was need, but I, I definitely knew I did not have enough money. So, um, one of the one of the vendors that I had or uh, clients I had when I was at Vertical Net, um, who had bought some online marketing from me at that time, I had kept in touch with him. Uh, his name's uh, Chris Godnich, and we were having lunch one day, and he was kind of in the same boat as me, where he was traveling for his company um, a lot and, and having to go overseas. He had a you know fairly new wife who was pregnant and about to have a child. She was mad at him for traveling all the time. And so he was really in the same boat where it was just kind of time to, to look at doing something different. So he was telling me about some of the business ideas that he had mm-hmm. and some of the investigation that he had done. I said, yeah, you know, that's great and all, but listen to what I got. So I told him, you know, I'm thinking of doing record storage, you know, starting this data vault. Um, He happened to have a background in finance and also had done a lot of uh, merger and acquisition type work. So he said, you know what, let me spend some time and and research this. I'll come back to you in a couple of weeks and we'll, we'll talk some more. So a couple of weeks later we met for lunch he said, man, this is an astounding business. You know, I've done some research. It's recurring revenue and on and on. This is something that we need to seriously take a look at. And he said, you know, would you be interested in a partner? I said, absolutely, because I don't have the background in finance, uh, don't really have the patience to do anything in the accounting, and, uh, you know, the real I'm not a detailed person. Right. So we had some overlapping skill sets that – really kind of fit together perfectly
4: hmm.
3: um, so Chris did the the initial work to kind of give us an overall picture of you know here's here's kind of the revenue that we think we could generate here's the the cost which were substantial at least to us at that time they were substantial
4: yeah
3: and and so that's really um, where I brought in a partner I, I knew I needed help and so um, you know we that, that's really where we got going
4: Wow.
2: But the part, so the partnership is developed uh, with no clients, right the beginning, no clients and no money.
3: No clients, no money. So uh, then, I
2: mean, because what we know about this business is it's huge capital investment up front to get this thing going. Yes. So uh, t- tell me about how did you go from, from that initial decision to be partners to, to being in business?
3: Well Chris did a, a pretty accurate model uh, at the time and this was a two-year model moving forward. So at that point we said, okay, obviously we're going to have to put some of our own money into it. the, uh, the little scraps I had left from my you know, stock options that were once worth a lot. I, I basically poured what I had left, um, which at the time was a pretty small amount I- into some startup funding. I, I think we, we pulled together maybe around Forty thousand dollars of personal money. We then went to different banks to try to get uh, loans or lines of credit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the larger banks pretty much laughed at us. Yeah. The uh, the Small Business Administration pretty much laughed at us. Um, you know, we, we were we were a little bit dumbfounded. We thought, well, Small Business that's to help small businesses get started. Well, that's not really the case. You know, the Small Business Administration is to help small businesses that have already been in business, you know, move forward. Right. And and so we ended up going to see um, a banker at a regional bank here in in Houston. Um, It was a – one of my friends whose dad, you know, was president of this division of, of this regional bank, he said, you know what, come on over, let's see what you're looking to do. We went and had kind of an initial conversation He said, here here are the things that I I need to see, you know, on paper. Mm -hmm. Come back to me in a couple of weeks with those, and we'll see what we can do. Um, And and this was more of an old-fashioned type of of banking relationships where there was a a person that knew you, that you weren't calling a Mm 1-800 number, and there wasn't this huge committee. And so uh, really I would say the relationship that he felt comfortable with us uh, our, our backgrounds, and then also just some belief in us that we could actually pull this off. Hmm. And, and that's how we got the funding. We, oh, wow, that's cool. Yeah, so it, it, and when I said we got the funding, it was a, a small amount. At the time, we thought it was a lot, but that, that's how we got the initial startup funding.
2: And so, what did you do with that funding? Where, where, where did that did that go into? Did, did you start with the the data storage side? Did you start with the record side? What what we, was?
3: We started simultaneously. Okay. Uh, with approximately 15,000 square feet of, of leased warehouse space, we built a vault inside of the, uh, and this is a small vault, a 20 by 15 vault in the in the small uh, space that we were in. Um, We really tried to make that initial amount of money go a long way. I had a friend who was a a vice president of IT at a a company. He was throwing out some old PCs and a couple of old servers, and I said, hey, can I have those? Those were our first desktops, our first server. I had another friend who was replacing his phone system. He was throwing out his phones. I said, hey, can I have those old phones? Those were our first phones.
2: Oh, talk Uh, about pure bootstrap!
3: Absolutely, no question.
2: That is fabulous, Michael. I love the
3: the racking that we got. We got from our landlord. He had another tenant at another warehouse facility that had essentially walked out one day. Um, you know, didn't didn't pay his rent and, and skipped town. Uh, he said, if you'll go over and tear this racking down, you know, you can have it. So we hired some guys to go in and um, and we helped them. I mean, it was us, us as well. We tore this racking down, yeah. moved it, you know, brought it over to our facility and, you know, re-erected it. That was our first racking. It, it wasn't big, but it was enough to get us started. Yeah. And so anywhere, you know, I brought office supplies from home. My wife was a pharmaceutical sales rep. We, you know, we brought a box of her pens. It, it literally <laughs> was just, literally just trying to take anything we could that didn't cost anything to, to get started.
2: Oh, I love it! Love that. So, okay, so you're 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 basically cobbing together this this business on used equipment, used furnishings, used everything. You've got you've got a small vault and you've got a small facility. Um, obviously, you got to get clients. So, I'm I'm assuming that two of the clients are those those first two that you, you weren't able to get placed in those other companies.
3: Uh, yes, one of the well, actually, not no, that, that is not the case. One no. of the guys, the one that I could not get placed, um, I don't think at the time he ended up doing anything and was kind of dragging his feet. You know, this is this is now three to six months later, uh, so he was not a client of ours in the beginning. He is a hmm. client today, wow. um, but one of the probably earliest frustrations or kind of roadblocks and struggles that we had. Was underestimating how quickly we could get clients in. Um, right. You know, just simply the sales and marketing and generating sales income quickly. We started small with no customers, no real marketing plan at the time, and so the first three to six months, I almost felt like we were kind of backpedaling. Uh, I really started to get worried, worried because uh, Chris was still working in his day job. Uh, we couldn't afford to bring him on. He couldn't afford to quit. I was basically doing the, the cold calling, the sales, the marketing, um, you know, anything related to facilities. And so for the first three to six months, we, we got maybe three or four or five, you know, small clients, people we knew. Um, I happened to be walking down an office building one day and saw a bunch of boxes piled up in someone's office, stopped in, talked to them. You know, we, we happened to get that client. Which, which at the time was two or 300 boxes, and to us was a giant client. Oh, yeah. Um, but it was really a very tough and slow time. And so at about the, I'm going to say the four- to six-month mark, we realized that we had to do something different. Um, in talking to, to someone at another record center, they used a telemarketer to generate leads and also appointments. Mm-hmm. We started doing that on the paper side um, since I had a background in online marketing and search engines we started doing pay-per-click at the time which worked pretty well um, five years ago
2: yeah and you were a very early uh, you were a very early entrant into uh, pay-per-click in the in in this industry
3: yes and, and it paid off it got us enough momentum with the telemarketing and me going on the calls and the, and the, uh, the pay-per-click generating some, some uh, leads to our site, it got us enough momentum that we started to kind of get some, some growth, you know, and it was slow at first. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the first year was pretty tough. After a year, uh, we started getting clients a little more regularly, and it just almost had a downhill kind of snowball effect from that point.
2: So it was, it was kind of getting to that place where you had enough momentum going.
3: Absolutely. We, uh, we again, underestimated the length of the sales cycle, um, probably partly because we were small. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had to convince someone that not only could I take care of them, but in two years I'm still going to be in business. Right. So it, it was underestimating, you know, the sales and marketing um, process, uh, it just took us a little while to kind of get that down, and just to to kind of build the confidence that yeah, you know, we can take care of you. Right. You know, I knew we could, but honing that message uh, took a while.
2: So what what in that that early time frame did you did you kind of see yourself? Uh, obviously, you saw yourself as somewhat different than these other companies that you had tried to get your clients to. To uh, to become clients of, but so so did you feel like you had some kind of unique positioning even at the start?
3: Yeah, but what I, were
2: you trying to say to the marketplace?
3: Yeah, I mean, really, and this is, and this still rings true today. The service that we give, and I think really the service and the culture that anybody gives is ultimately derived from the person at the top who's running that company. I knew that if someone called me or they had a need, I was going to do whatever it took to take care of them. That's just how I am. I have a very high service expectation uh, for me personally. If I go somewhere, whether it's to a restaurant or a store, and so likewise, I expect to be able to give that kind of service back to someone else. I knew I could do it. I I positioned us um, with a message that if you have a problem or you have a need, you call me, the owner. You're not calling some 1-800 customer service line. You're not talking to someone, and you got to go up the chain. If you got, if you have a need, you call me. I'm going to get out of bed, and I'm going to take care of it. Right. And we did that from the very start.
2: And that obviously had an impact because I mean, it, as much as it took four to six months to kind of get some momentum going, it uh, it, it was obviously a, a value proposition to companies that chose to come on board with you.
3: Absolutely. I mean it data in, in the last 10 years the the importance placed on data you know has been realized. And so 5 years ago even at that time people said, "You know what? What we've got on these tapes and the data we've got in these in these paper records are important." And if I'm going to give someone if, if I'm the customer and I'm going to give you my tape I want to know, I want you to look me in the eye and tell me that it's going to be taken care of, and when I need it back, I'm going to get it. Hmm. And, and so we always operated um, with that service mentality, and that still holds true today. The, the skill that I had that probably has helped the most um, is just the skill to be able to talk to varying types of people, whether it's a CEO or a storage or, or network admin, a, an IT-related person, yeah. a secretary. Each person has a different fear, a different set of needs, a uh, different wants, and you need someone that can get down on that person's level, understand you know, their pain, their needs, and connect with them emotionally. And, I, and the ability that I had developed over time just with sales allowed me to talk to that person and convincingly and say, Listen, you're gonna be okay. We're gonna take good care of you. Hmm. What
2: were some of the early victories for you? I I know in that first year or so where you feel like you're struggling, I know you already said you got that two hundred box client walking down, you know, an office building, but were there any other kind of small victories along the way that made you feel like this thing's gonna this this is actually going to work?
3: I I would say that the earliest Probably the earliest victory was actually getting any startup funding at all.
4: <laughs> oh, right, yeah. um, that, that,
3: to us, was um, just a very – we knew it would be tough. It was a big hurdle. And just getting that money and getting that vault built and the racking in there, the, just really some kind of infrastructure to start with, to, to me, was an early victory. From From a personnel standpoint, I would say that was probably – The next biggest victory, uh, there were a couple of people that we hired. Uh, The the first one was a delivery driver Mm -hmm. who always showed up on time. He was a caring uh, individual who cared about creating relationships with the customers. Yeah, And he really connected. Customers loved him and they saw him as Veritrust. Uh, That was the person that they saw after about the first year. Um, And it really made a big impact. Hmm. Uh, Second, we added an office person who, when we found her from a skill level, we knew was very underutilized. Hmm. Um, As it turns out today, um, she, over that time period, ran Veritrust like it was her own business. Wow. And today is the person who runs our business day to day uh, the person that we look to to ensure that our quality culture stays on track. Um, so I would say the people, some of the initial people that we hired were really probably, even today, the most astounding victories that, we, that we've had. Wow,
2: that's great to hear. And, and that must have been such a significant uh, driver in terms of, of the, the trust level that your existing clients had with you.
3: It absolutely is. I mean, when someone calls your company, uh, you know, we today uh, have an answering machine or an answering uh, system, but typically if you call during the day, unless every line is overwhelmed, you're going to get a body answering the phone, and that even today includes me. Hmm. I will pick up the phone if it rings more than three or four times. When, when someone calls your company, they want to talk to someone that's friendly, who, yep. who they know kind of personally and is going to take care of them. Same on delivery drivers. We have always um, assigned no more than three delivery drivers to a particular uh, route, hmm. that, and they rotate, and that's so that if one is out, the other person knows the customer, knows the customer's kind of likes, dislikes, and needs, and that uh-huh. customer gets to build a relationship uh, with those drivers.
4: Oh, that's, that, that's cool. Yeah. Hmm.
2: Um, when, when did you feel like, so you're, you're in that first year, year and a half, and you've got, you've got some really great initial staff people. You, you've kind of got some momentum going in terms of, of getting business. Uh, when did it feel to you like you had turned the corner from, being in that initial stage of, I, I hope we make it through this month to where you went. Oh, where I think we're finally, we're we're there. Not not that we're where we want to be, but we we kind of hit that place where it turned. It felt like it turned a corner for you.
3: <laughs> well, I, I guess I keep wondering when that <laughs> feeling is actually going to come. <clears throat> I'll probably feel like that whenever my wife stops asking me when am I when am I going to get a raise. <laughs> uh, for for me personally, I, I literally try to never look back. I don't want to ever feel like we we have turned a corner. And the reason that I don't want to feel that way is I don't want to risk uh, complacency or a false sense of success. Um, each new account, while we add, uh, when we add it, is exciting. Uh, but to me, it's just one more on the list. Right. Um, we always need more money for growth another person to help in a given area, we can always give better service, always add additional infrastructure, and always improve. So I don't want to ever say to myself, you know what, I think we've turned a corner um, where we can kind of coast. Have we had milestones? Absolutely. We have always uh, added phenomenal people. We have almost no turnover um, we have a customer base that is extremely large for the for the five years that we've been in business we have gigantic clients that uh, even when we started I would have said you know in, in five years from now I expect this to be doing well but I definitely would have not expected the client base that we have today hmm. um, I just I don't want to ever think to myself okay we, we've we like I said, we've turned the corner. We can kind of coast. I definitely keep the milestones kind of back in my in my subconscious. Okay. Um, yeah. But you know, I, I guess for me personally, I'll feel like we've turned a corner when I can when I can fully control my time, uh, when I've got enough talented people and enough satisfaction in the service that we give that I can choose to go play with my kids or go fishing or, or come into work or not that day. Um, I, I could probably do that today. I'm just one of those people that has a hard time uh, letting go. Uh, Chris, my partner, uh, five years later, um, has about another year that he will continue to work in his day job. We, we have poured all of um, the revenue that we generate back into the company. Wow. We have always tried to contain costs um but you know because we, it, we didn't need him necessarily to be here all the time um you know we, he has foregone a salary uh for five years um, Wow. my salary as the owner of the company is not much more than than what we pay you know some of our managers um so you know turning the corner is you know, again, like I said, I don't, I don't know when I'll ever feel that.
4: <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, but, but that's that's to me that's a, a, a really critical approach you've taken and uh, is is. In many cases, probably why you have become such a, in many ways, a success in even five years of being in business. That's that's really cool.
3: Well, for, for the market and the time that we are in, um, it, it's not something that I, I would really choose to do, but it, it is a necessity. Yeah. Um, I went through the dot-com years working for a startup, saw the massive growth and the literal teardown of hundreds of companies, mm. companies and people that I knew. The market today is different. And if you are not giving great service, if you're not watching your cost, if you are not keeping a broad view of of what's going on around you, you will absolutely get hammered. Yeah. Um, we always w- we we want to be able to choose our own path versus having problems and either some new entrant or some existing competitor coming into our market and dictating the path for us. Right. So the view that we have and the way we operate is one of necessity. It's not because we really you know, want to take lower salaries or we, or we want to keep um, you know, costs down. It is an absolute necessity.
2: Yeah, and it sounds to me like you're in, you're investing in a future payoff much more than trying to get an immediate one.
3: Uh, absolutely, I'm a fairly young person. I got a lot of years to work. My partner Chris is the same way. You know, we we have added, uh, you know, kind of back to funding over time. When things got tight um, in the beginning, you know, Chris t- took his personal funds um, and a lot of it and added it, you know, to the company. But it enabled us to to not have to go to the bank or to take a little bit longer you know now when we go to the bank it's not because we we need money because we're doing poor we, we need it because the growth is so high and with the capital intensity of our business yeah. you know more racking more gym tracks more vehicles it, it's money for growth right wow
2: uh you you've you, you said uh early on in the conversation that you you've added some different things you started with the media vault and you started with record storage uh, you've added some things along the way when when did those when did those startups occur what what were some of the what was some of the impetus to do those startups along the way
3: yeah uh, well one of the, one of the simple ones that uh, you know there there's a, a huge destruction industry but for us as as a record storage company Um, initially you know we had people that had some retention schedules but it took a while before it came time to to shred documents we never got into the shredding business heavily because for us it was a commodity type business where people just want the best price um, and it was very labor-intensive and there was again a large capital cost so as we uh, started to grow we had more items come up for destruction or people Asking, hey, can you provide me bins to do destruction? There was just kind of a natural point over time where where we said, okay, it makes sense now, uh, you know, to add a small shredder. It, so we have a small shredder. If we have larger uh, purges, you know, we actually use another uh, party, uh, oh, okay. another secure shredder, uh, because again, the cost for us is, is high to get into that business full time. Right. Uh, I just personally don't think it makes sense for for VeriTrust. It may make sense for someone else. Right. Online backup in the in the IT area um, it has really, I think, derived for a couple of couple of reasons. Uh, we added that about a year ago. Um, the technology has been around for a while. Uh, people could have used it, you know, a long time ago. However the market wasn't really ready. And what is what kind of drove that was the compliance need of SOX and some of these other regulations uh, also cuts in staff so that remote offices no longer have an IT person huh. and then coupled with a complexity in, in backup and storage uh, and data today where uh, someone who might have some basic desktop um you know experience and background yeah. no longer no longer had the knowledge or the capability to handle backups so for us online backup was just a complement to to uh, okay. enterprise tape storage
2: okay okay hmm. so five years, you've been, uh, you, you started with nothing, pure bootstrap, and today you've got a thriving, really uh, cool company going. Looking back at this point, what were some of the big lessons you learned? I mean, if you had to sort of say, okay, you stand in front of a group of people and say, here's, here's the lessons I learned along the way, uh, what, what would some of the big ones be?
3: Uh, probably the very biggest is do not underestimate the, the capital need <laughs> in starting your business. Um, we, you know, looking back, if you were to ask me, could you start today on what you started with? I would say, no, you're absolutely crazy. We didn't know any better. So we made it work. Yeah. But we, we vastly underestimated the, the capital needs. Again, it's not for initial startup, but it's for continued growth. Right. You know, $10,000 for a string of racking uh seven to ten thousand dollars for gym track, you know, two vehicles. Um, you know, we probably underestimated the long term capital need. Um, I would also say don't underestimate your market and the the length of time of the sales cycle, the the individuals in your market. Um, the the complexity of the people we deal with in my market is maybe a little bit different Than what we deal with, than what someone in a smaller town might deal with. So, from a marketing and sales standpoint, um, definitely have a plan, get started early, um, and and look for quality people to add. You know, we we probably added a little bit late. It worked out, but you know, looking back, we should have added those that delivery driver probably sooner,
4: Hmm. that
3: office person sooner, to to let. The owners of the business focus on the growth and and the strategy needed to move forward
2: hmm. uh, the uh, th- those those things obviously would have um, you know been been helpful along along the way in your story uh, but if if where you are now, if you could go back and do it again, obviously you would add you know add those people a bit earlier you would have had more capital to begin with you would have been a little more clear on the 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 length of time it it took to get new clients. But is there anything else you would have done differently? If you could go back today with what you now know, uh, five years ago, um, along with those those four key things you've already mentioned, would there be anything else you'd maybe do differently?
3: I would have probably uh, performed a more thorough kind of market research. Um, Again, we... We saw a good idea, and we we knew we could run with it and be successful. But again, the planning was probably a little bit uh, you know a little bit short. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that that's probably one of the primary areas. You know, I, I would say for me personally, you know, um, some advice that I would give is. Is to start with a, a very real and deep and very honest self-assessment of yourself.
4: Hmm.
3: Um, you know, do you have the personal risk tolerance? Do you have the ability to walk in the shoes of others? Um, you know, most importantly, do you have a, a vision? You know, is this your time for that vision? And if you've got, you know, a wife or or a family member that. You know, is going to support you. Do you have the support of that family behind you? Um, And then, you know, can you make an intelligent and and a convincing argument as to why someone would want to do business with you, um, or how, or why are you better? There are just a lot of uh, pieces of of the owner and the entrepreneur in starting a business, or even extending or expanding an existing business that. It's not, it's not so much the, the capital and the, and the business pieces. There's also a personal piece to it.
4: Yeah. And, and I
3: think at the time, you know, looking back uh, differently, um, I, I would have probably, you know, today I know I, w- I needed to take a better kind of self-assessment. I went a long time without a paycheck. Uh, I, I went from August to May, which for me was a long time. My, my wife had a job, but it was a stressful time. You know, oh, yeah. we we took out additional money to to put in the business, and I would say keeping up that communication uh, w- with her, um, I could have probably done that better. Hmm. Um, the communication, if you have a partner or if you have investors, uh, where do you want to where do you want to go? You know, are you on the same page? That that ultimately can become a big problem, um, and so keeping that communication. Is probably something else. Looking back, I would have done a little bit differently.
2: But it, it sounds like, I mean, you've as much as you would have done it differently. It sounds like you 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 had some kind of ability to do that because I mean, even where you are today is testament to that. I I think that you know the fact is you didn't start with enough capital, but you had this this ability to just kind of claw your way through it.
3: Yeah, it's uh, I guess I had looked out and over time. Um, And, again, this goes back to my days in sales. Um, There is uh, what I call kind of the uh, middle-aged white male syndrome. It's it's that white-collar person that has had success over time, that's become a manager or an executive in a company, but because that person is afraid of of personal risk and stepping out, they are essentially a product now of, of where the company is going and someone else making decisions for them in their life. Rather than make a risky decision to potentially have, have some advantage um, and, some, and some additional success, there, there were a lot of people that I was calling on that would just make no decision at all no decision at all is still a decision. It's a decision not to move forward. Right. And I just saw that over time I was going to become one of those people. I did not, I did not want to be in that boat where someone else chose for me uh, where I went, how I worked in life, you know, the paycheck that I made. Um, I did not want to be one of those people. And so uh, f- for me personally – Again, I had the uh, the confidence in myself. I had this perfect storm, and it was my time to step out and to take that risk. Um, Wow. And, and, you know, you owe that. If you have small children, you owe that to those children. Yeah. Um, You don't owe to them, you know, staying in some dead-end job or staying in a job that is a risk to you or them, you know, financially and personally.
2: Okay, so then my question is, has it been worth it?
3: It has absolutely been worth it. There, while it is scary, yeah. it, it's actually almost terrifying at times, stepping out on your own, how am I going to make this work, how are we going to make payroll? There is a certain freedom that comes to you when you are your own boss and yeah. you are the one that has to perform or you're the one that has to make a decision. It is absolutely no question w- worth it. Yeah. It's a different kind of work. It's a different kind of mentality. The risks are there, no question.
4: Yeah.
3: But the freedom that comes with that is so astounding that it is absolutely, you know, worth it. When I look back, I can say, you know, not only have I, cre- I personally created jobs for employees at Veritrust and helped them to take care of their families, I have also created jobs and a market for the vendors that supply us and the people that supply those vendors. And so I look i look at it as a little contribution that I've made to the economy and to people uh, overall. And it's a good feeling to know that, that there's a productivity and something that you've done that's made a difference not only for you but for other people.
2: Hmm. That, that is really cool, Michael. That, that, that to me is, uh, is, is the very human side or the personal piece of the, the, entrepreneurial, um, the, the entrepreneurial thing that we get into. And um, I, I'm really glad you've, you've kind of focused on that because I, I think sometimes we miss that. We miss how important that, that is to our, our own souls and psyches and stuff like that, what, what we do for uh, – why we do what we do.
3: Yeah, we we have never wanted to be the biggest. That's not, we we did not get in business to be the biggest. We did not get in business to be the lowest cost provider or to sell out to someone else. We got in business because, you know, one, there was a need for us financially. Um, Two, because we knew we could make a difference from a service standpoint. Mm -hmm. We simply just want to be good at what we do. We want to Go home at 5 o'clock with no problems. Play with the kids, you know, and know that, you know, we did good work today. The customers are happy. They love what we do. Uh, to this day, our customers simply love what we do. Hmm. They love our culture. They, they love the response that they get uh, when they send an email. You know, every person at Veritrust has a BlackBerry. Someone will respond to that customer within minutes uh, of a request. And it's that kind of service that we just, from the very beginning, have ingrained uh, into our people. And if if someone is not capable or not willing to give the kind of service that that uh, I would give or Chris would give, uh, we will absolutely uh, change change people.
4: Hmm.
2: Wow. Uh, you you have the opportunity to sit down with somebody who's a complete rookie, but you only have. Four- two minutes to do it and you can only really give them one piece of critical advice to start in the records and information management service business what's the one piece of advice you'll give
3: i would say i would i would have to kind of go back to uh what i said earlier about that you know again very real very deep and a very honest self-assessment of Mm -hmm. you personally okay um you know, again, is this your time? Yeah. Um, Is this something that you have the stomach and the ability to go out and sell? Um, There is no question that until you have that personal belief and that really deep understanding of yourself and the people behind you and your abilities, um, you can go get, you know, money, no problem. Right. You can pick any business, no problem, and get started. But unless you can handle it and sell it, and you can motivate people, uh, you got no shot whatsoever of being successful. You've got wow. th- the only way to be successful is is to know you know know yourself, take care of yourself physically and mentally, so you're making good decisions. Um, you know the the other part is easy. It's just you're you you are going to be the business, so. You need to have a very clear understanding of, of you, yourself, the business. Uh, the, the
2: future, where, where, where's, where's the future going for
3: you? The future is actually accelerating the growth in our business. Um, for, for, I guess, up, uh, the last five years, up until the last uh, month or so, um, I was pretty much the only person doing sales and um, you know, did a great job. But over time, the expertise uh, that you that you build up as an owner can be better utilized in strategy and growth of the company. So, right. we've added a uh, very strong salesperson um, that has the mentality that we have, that has the ability to go out and communicate and, and understands. So for us, we we are still in the in the very high growth stages. Uh, we are adding customers at a rate that is higher than, than what we've ever added, and, th- and that's going to range between anywhere, uh, on the low end, five customers in a month to 12. Um, so we are accelerating the growth. We are in the process of starting a location about two hours west of us in, a, in another city. Um, so you know we're adding additional locations. Hmm. We are continuing to look for complementary services where the profit is higher, The capital intensity is less, Uh, you know, again, more services versus storage. Um, And and so there's just a whole dynamic. There are a lot of different, uh, you know, not only business revenue streams, um, but just other pieces of operating the existing existing business um, that we continue to have to work on. It's somewhat daunting when you have to look at, you know, more people, uh, quality tracking systems, but we just continue to look for the best systems out there, the best processes out there, to be able to scale for the for the coming growth. Wow, wow!
2: What a story, Michael! It's it's uh, fabulous to hear it. I, I I know that that you and I have had lots of conversations, but that's the first time I've I've heard your story, and uh, and I, I am. Wow, blown away! It's it's a great story and it's a, a testament to you, your commitment to to building something really cool, uh, and Chris and 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 then your staff as well. I, I know every time I have called your your business, it's it's uh, it's quite amazing to hear the response I get on the phone, um, and I can only imagine that clients uh, love working with you guys. So. Uh, way to go! And, and thank you so much for for um, sharing that with with us because I yeah. I think it's a it's a message that we all and a lesson that we we all need to hear.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the w- one of the great things about the industry that that we're in is uh, you know, short of, of the large national chains, there are a lot of other small you know startups, independents that are out there that have been uh, willing to befriend us and to share knowledge with us and we have in turn you know done the same and that has really helped us you know we we all have a lot of the same problems Uh, capital needs how do you you know how do you price a big move Uh, I've got this personnel problem Uh, people have been so gracious about sharing uh, their knowledge you know with us we have in turn done the same And I'd say for our industry, uh, to me, it's very unique. Uh, I would have never expected that that someone would, you know, again, would share that and would befriend us in the way that they have. We always try to do the same wherever we can, um, and it's really helped us. And so it's been a a great ride. It's been so positive. Um, It's just a very laid-back, you know, good industry to be in. Uh, but, again, you know, don't underestimate uh, yourself. Don't underestimate the money that it takes to get started um, to be able to perform to the client's expectation today. Yeah. Uh, so it's absolutely been a great ride. It's been positive. Uh, I love it. I, I wake up every day. I look forward to coming to work. Um, there's not a lot of people that can say that.
4: No,
2: very few. Well, you know, here's to ongoing success for Vera Trust and, and you and Chris and the staff. Uh, I, I know that you've got great things ahead, and uh, I'm excited for you. And I'm really appreciative of the time you've spent today to uh, to share that with us. So,
3: absolutely,
2: Michael. Thanks again. Continued success and uh, and. Uh, break legs break whatever I don't, know, I don't know how to say that but just continue to do the great work you're doing
3: alright thank you Tom I appreciate you taking the time to, to elicit the story and it was, good, uh, it was good looking back and it's good going back to think about how we got to where we are today um, you know it's something that I don't do often I just keep looking forward but it's, it's nice to go back and to see you know how we got where we were you know what was that feeling like so I'm, I'm happy to share it